Welcome to You Still, a podcast hosted by me, Ella Delancey-Jones. We talk about motherhood, the absolute elation and the surprises, as well as attempting to bridge the gap between who we were before we had our children and who we are now. Don't forget to follow at You Still Podcast on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss a thing. It's lovely to have you here. Hello and welcome back. This week we're talking about every parent's favourite topic of sleep. So we are talking about co-sleeping and bed sharing and obviously I've listened to this episode and it's very pro co-sleeping, pro bed sharing. The guests that I have on and myself, we've both got very positive experiences with co-sleeping but I just wanted to caveat at the start that this is our own personal experience and if it's something that you don't agree with or that you have found difficult in the past or it's just something that you... That you don't want to do you know it's it's not everything always works for everyone so if you'd rather skip out on this episode that's absolutely fine and I will catch you in the next one otherwise I hope you enjoy this conversation it's really nice to talk to this guest about the benefits of co-sleeping it's still not a very well-known practice in the UK you often hear about about co-sleeping in other countries but I do hope you enjoy and I will catch you in the next episode So I just want to introduce our next guest, Zoe Eyre, who is the respectful mum on Instagram. She's Yorkshire-based mum of one. She's a writer and a children's book author, and she's a massive advocate for gentle and respectful parenting from infancy. Hello, Zoe. Hi, nice to meet you. And you, finally. Well, we say say me. Uh, Zoe and I have been talking on Instagram for quite a long time. I don't know actually how I came across your Instagram, but... I feel like sometimes my Instagram is a bit of like a Zoe slash the respectful mum fan page because everything she posts, right? I'm like, yeah yeah resonates with me so much I can't help but just share it and sometimes I just feel really seen by what you post as well so I just think you're doing amazing work I love that thank you I suspect probably because we've got babies of very similar ages haven't we probably a month between them or so yeah um, so so at the time of recording Polly is 14 months old today which is sounds crazy to me 14 months old where has that gone and then what what about you so how how old is your little girl and how have you found have you found motherhood so far yeah she's gonna be 15 months next week um so yeah really really close in age I love it I really really enjoy motherhood I think there is a lot about it that is incredibly difficult and hard but I really really feel like it's just been the right thing and it just felt like it came at the right time and yeah it's been great it is isn't it I think there's just so much joy to be found obviously I I find it quite challenging sometimes I think any anyone would find you know looking after a baby slash well they're toddlers now really aren't they challenging but there's so much joy to be found in these little people right yeah exactly and they yeah they bring bits to your day that you would never have expected previously but yeah equally all the tough bits as well where you find yourself screaming into a pillow or losing it (laughs) because it's really hard as well I I wouldn't change it and is it just the three of you at home so you and your husband and your little girl yeah the three of us and then our little cocker spaniel Pablo gorgeous so I have brought Zoe on 
to you still today to talk about co-sleeping. So, or co-sleeping slash bed sharing. It's something that I've been really interested in because before I was pregnant and even throughout my pregnancy, I thought that bed sharing or co-sleeping was quite taboo. I'd heard that it was very much the done thing in Japan. I thought that co-sleeping was a no-no. And when I, when Polly was about, I think, two weeks old, the health visitor that came round to see her said, oh, because I think I was a bit worried about, because obviously she was so small, I was a bit worried about her little swaddle. And I Mm -hmm. thought, oh, maybe it's a bit too big on her. So I was a bit worried about how to keep her warm. And the health visitor said, oh, co-sleeping. And I thought, oh, this woman was a bit older than me and I just thought she didn't really know what she was talking about and obviously I looked into it and there was a whole it opened up a whole new world to me so I just didn't know it was like the done thing at all so Zoe is quite an advocate for bed sharing and I would just love to have you give a little introduction to it how did you find out about it is it something that you always wanted to do that's really interesting I think from my understanding you're probably in the minority there that you had a a health visitor who actually promoted it and said yes you know go and look into this and a lot of professionals that I've come across are still very much if not anti it is very much we don't really talk about it let's just sweep it under the carpet and pretend it didn't happen. I come from quite a family of medics in that I've got a mum that's a health visitor, I've got a sister that's a midwife, sister-in-law that's a nurse and I was very much under the impression a bit like you that you shouldn't do it it was it was a no-no it was unsafe and I had a really tricky start because Hattie just would not sleep anywhere other than on me or next to me. She'd it was impossible. So I had the Moses basket, I had the next to me crib, and I just couldn't get her to sleep. And so I had horrendous anxiety in those early weeks, because it was a case of, well, I know that's really unsafe. And and what, what, how do I do it? But knowing that I couldn't possibly get her to sleep any other way. So I started bed sharing, really looking back at it, it was quite unsafe, because I didn't know what to do. And so that was really horrible and tricky. And I ended up researching my personality is very much I research everything to the nth degree, I have to learn everything that there is to know about it and so I went down that kind of path of learning and discovered okay this isn't actually unsafe it's it's okay we can do this we can do this safely and so I I learned everything that I could about it I found really great resources so James McKenna the Lalesh League various different things basis online and I built up this information and, and realized that it was safe but I I reckon we had a good probably six eight weeks where it it was building up to that and it looking back we, we had some really unsafe bed setups because I didn't know. And that's the bit that it really riles me. People are not educated to to know that this is an option that they can do safely. And by not educating people, you're leaving people in a situation where they end up having to make their own judgment call and therefore end up in an unsafe situation. It's one of the things I did in those early weeks. You know, the big breastfeeding pillows that go right the way down your body and and behind you, like in a U shape. Um, I had one of those. And so I thought, okay, well, if I pen myself into that cushion, I'm kind of propped up I'll put her on my chest in in between that and I'll I'll be so penned in that nobody can fall out and nobody can go anywhere but actually look back now with knowledge I've got now and think that was horrendously unsafe I had to make a judgment call at the time on no information and being you know I can't get to sleep any other way so yeah that was kind of our start to it and then I I learned a lot and, and went down that road and really that was where I got into this kind of wanting to advocate for how to do it safely and not even just how to do it safely I'm probably even more of an advocate of we should be educating people on that so it's not even the 
educating how to do it it's the the telling people about the consequences of not educating people if that makes sense totally and I think just what you say about the education I think the education of anything it goes beyond bed sharing I think there's a lot of a lack of education in lots of things in in motherhood and and parenting so as Mm -hmm. you say bed sharing breastfeeding sort of the physiological side of it people don't know therefore they either do the wrong thing or they don't do something or do do something because they don't ha- they just don't have the knowledge I had absolutely no idea and I thought it was just it took me a long time to even consider it let alone try it mm-hmm. what have you found or what do you know are the benefits of bed sharing so I think there's lots of them for me the, the main one I would say is that you get more sleep quite often because you are waking up immediately when they wake up and they're right next to you you're not having to get out of bed you're just they're right there you can just bring them straight in to use whatever supporting mechanism you've got to get them back to sleep so for me that's nursing I just stick her on the boob and and we go back to sleep within probably a minute or two minutes usually. So the amount of extra sleep I get overnight as opposed to me having to climb out of bed or go down the hallway to her room, you know, that kind of thing. I think hugely more sleep. It's so normal, isn't it, for them to want to be close to us. And I think they probably get a bit more sleep as a result of that because they feel safer being really close to you or be, you know, within the warmth of your body and knowing that that you're there and, and they're safe. I think one of the other really major pros of that is that they you improve your breastfeeding success quite often because it helps breastfeeding mums throughout the night to be able to continue feeding. And I think from my reading it was about 70 to 80 percent of breastfed babies share um the bed with mum at some point during those early months so it's quite quite a high percentage with breastfeeding mums I suppose personal things like I love being able to just look at her little sleeping face you know I've, I've stayed awake a little bit longer than she has and she's there next to me and I snuggle down into bed and just get to have a little look at her before I go to sleep and the closeness of that I really love and then I guess there's also safety things you can monitor their breathing and their temperature quite well when they're right next to you and, and you know I think you pick up on things very much when they're as close as they are to you there's so many and oh god yeah looking at their little sleeping faces I can't I can't even take it that there were so many times yeah. where I would wake up just like slightly before her I don't know it's like a sixth sense that I knew that she was just about to wake up but I'd wake up like just a couple of seconds before and just just watch her although you do end up questioning yourself don't you did they wake up because I woke up first or did I wake up because I was experiencing <laughs> that we'll never yeah, know yeah I mean obviously there's there's upside there's huge huge benefits I would say but there's there can be disadvantages but to anything but do you think mm. there are any disadvantages to to bed sharing and co-sleeping yeah I think there's a few so practical ones it's incredibly uncomfortable isn't it in those early oh. months and um the cuddle curl is possibly the most <laughs> uncomfortable position to sleep in and you've been you know you've been pregnant sleeping in a way that you didn't want to and you you know you couldn't sleep in your natural position while you were pregnant you think it's all going to be over and then nope we're back into bed sharing and into this cuddle curl it's cold she's what 15 months now and I've only recently started bringing myself back into a I've got a single duvet now on my bed that I kind of wrap myself in but it's only now that I've got that back and I've been under a blanket for well the past year basically 
that can get pretty chilly can't it especially in the winter month and then obviously you do have the the disadvantages in terms of safety if it's not done properly and I think that's the important thing isn't it that if you do it safely it's as it's as safe as having a baby in on a separate sleep uh, sleep space next to you but if it's not done properly then obviously the risks of SIDS and things like that can increase and so that's obviously a, a serious downside isn't it and I think sadly there are a lot of people going back to what I said about education there are a lot of people who do end up bed sharing unsafely because they don't know any better and nobody's taught them how to do it properly god you just reminded me of the of the coldness yeah I completely forgot about that it's funny what you forget yeah I found that cuddle house so uncomfortable every night I'd be sleeping like I'm obviously you can't see because you're listening to the podcast but I'm doing some kind of grotesque contortion of my body (laughs) and my neck and there is light at the end of the tunnel you don't have to cuddle curl forever I don't cuddle curl anymore yeah no me neither the coldness was um was a massive disadvantage I have to say (laughs) so obviously you've been doing this for quite a long time what are your top tips to bed share safely so the first thing I think everybody needs to go away and look at look up if they haven't already is the safe sleep seven so the Lelesh League say that if you follow all of that then it's as as safe basically as sleeping in the nearby crib so those are the the key points so quick run through non-smokers sober and unimpaired so no no drugs that can include painkillers so if there's anything that would make you drowsy that's included within that um heading that you're a breastfeeding mother healthy and full term baby to lay on their back that they're lightly dressed so that they don't overheat and that they're on a safe surface so so that should be a firm bed not a sofa or a chair and they're kind of the key things to to keep in mind in terms of safe bed sharing and I think a lot of it is a judgment call isn't it for the parents as well looking at all of those things and making sure that you you feel safe in what you're doing I know people that formula feed that have safely bed shared and you know they followed everything else and and that's something that other people have done and again it's a judgment call isn't it arming yourself with the information as to what to do and how to do it safely is really important one of the biggest lifesavers for me was finding co-sleepy on instagram i don't know if you've come across her and if you follow her think possibly but maybe i haven't seen anything of her for a while she's brilliant she puts everything so all of her information really comes from the likes of james mckenna and she just really succinctly puts it together in great posts because what i found when you're researching these things on the internet you can't find images and pictures to say this is what you need to do and you know this is a description Mm. of how to do it and she's brilliant she has posts about how to safely chest sleep so you know sometimes your baby goes through these stages don't they where they won't even sleep next to you it has to be on your chest be right there and she has posts about how you do that safely and how you make sure that um the baby is is laid down your tummy so that you're at an angle and it removes the risk of the prone sleeping so that the pressure isn't on the lungs as much so she's great um i really really advocate for her and then i guess other things in terms of safety and and reducing risk is trying to limit going back to being cold i suppose but your duvets um ideally shouldn't be on the bed or if they are you need to be really tucking them in and you know clamp them between your legs for example to to keep them from going over the baby um your pillow that's part of the cuddle curl isn't it so having your arm between the baby and the pillow so that it protects them from riding up and I think with all of those things I found that with time my anxiety lessened and I I felt like no I'm doing this right now and and I feel safe about it and I know that I'm doing everything I should be I think that's the thing isn't it because if you maybe if someone has never done it and listens to that and even when I actually looked it up for the first time I was thinking god I'm never going to remember that or it's quite anxiety inducing to think I need to do this really really safely I need to do it right but 
over time you're right it just your anxiety just starts to abate because you feel like you know you're doing it safely and you're, you you end up sort of trusting yourself that you are doing especially when the, the sleep starts to improve you feel like you're doing the right thing and and you and then you like anything it becomes almost second nature doesn't it yeah yeah I've got this I can do this yeah, exactly I do I do actually miss it we, we didn't co-sleep for a long time but around her and um, people that listen to the first season of you still will remember we went through a really bad stage of sleep I think she was about eight, between eight and 10 months old. Uh, and it was like eight weeks of hell. She just went back to being a newborn, basically. And I tried and tried and tried, you know, do, doing all the things that used to work and nothing was working. So I thought, right, you know, I'm going to give this co-sleeping a go. And I was really kind of a bit annoyed with myself that I hadn't tried it sooner. Because as soon as I started doing it, I realized that, you know, thing, things were starting to improve. I think that a lot of people had actually said to me that I would be making a rod for my own back. And that's something that really, really got my back up because my response to that was, well, what do I do then? I either make a rod for my own back, inverted commas, and get some sleep, or I continue down this road of going literally cuckoo with Mm -hmm. sleep deprivation because I was I was worse than the newborn stage because in the newborn stage you have a lot of grace right so the baby sleeps a lot you can just sit on Mm -hmm. the sofa and watch binge watch Netflix usually people aren't at work and you can just have that time to kind of recoup yes you're sleep deprived but it's expected everyone's rallying around you've got a brand new baby but when your baby is a bit older you may have gone back to work you are sort of doing social things again and you just sort of getting back into your life. I started kind of putting makeup on again and feeling like myself and all of a sudden I couldn't do that anymore because I was so sleep deprived and yeah, it was awful. And I really don't think it's a stretch to say that I think co-sleeping really saved us because Polly just wanted to be close. I think she was going through whatever it was, some stage of development, putting her back in her cot and having her cry and me getting up probably between 45 minutes and two hours um, all night was not was not going to help. So, yeah. No, just not sustainable, is it? No. Well, and you're a prime yeah. example that actually it wasn't a rod for your own back because she's she's sleeping independently again. She's sleeping now, independently she? again. You know, she she isn't. She um She went back into her cot we tried a couple of nights and yeah there was a couple of nights where she would end up back in our bed from about four-ish but you know and on some and this is the thing now because I've done it if there is a night that she's feeling particularly needs some closeness I've done it and I know how to go about that safely and it's something that that works for us but you know how, how have you found bed sharing personally how have you found the whole the whole process are you still doing it like what's your process with that now so yeah we are still bed sharing currently exclusively I tried probably back in September so when she was just approaching a year I started putting her in the cot at night for that first stint and if I'm honest I've never pursued it because I can't be bothered <laughs> you know when you've got you're faced with I'm really tired still you know she she ranges some nights are really bad but other nights she might only wake up twice and it's it's really not that bad at all some days I've never had the energy to go do you know what yes I'm going to pursue this and I'm going to put her back in the cot every single time she wakes up because they do inevitably wake up more at least in those early stages of trying to put them in so she still bed shares with me I'm I'm happy with it I don't I don't mind it I quite enjoy having her there 
in terms of relationships it does impact because my husband Andy is still in a separate bedroom bless him partly by choice really because he comes in on the odd night realizes that he gets woken up more and goes I'll I'll get back in my own room again tonight (laughs) so that you know that's probably the downside of it that you think it kind of puts a bit of a wedge there that you're not spending as much time together but inevitably we're just sleeping at that point anyway so I think in terms of when I envisage it continuing until I don't really know I think at the moment I'm happy with it it's working for us I go back to work next month and so I just know don't do hard things at hard times I think that's a Lindsay Hookway <laughs> quote yes it's, it's not the time to try and be you know moving things along so I've got these ideas in my head of yes I would love her to go in her own room I'd love her to go in a cot so I'd probably like to night wean at some point in the not too distant future but I'm really child-led with it and I think when she's ready then I'll start trying to do that but I'm not going to try and fit everything into one go when she's starting nursery and I'm going back to work and it's going to be a bit too much in one go and I'm also realistic that I think kids do come back into the bed at points in the night don't they so it's probably not going to happen where she's in her own bed every night all night even when I successfully get her in there she may well still come back in with us for a couple of hours in the morning or and that's fine I don't mind that I think we'll quite enjoy the cuddles I think that's the thing what you just said about enjoying enjoying the cuddles and you not minding because I think not pointing fingers but like I, mean, I think certainly a certain generation think that we we have to do things it's kind of that the um just you wait gang like it's the people that say that you're creating a rod for your own back but it's like it's what I spoke to Emily from Fox and the Moon Sleep about actually about um, breastfeeding and feeding to sleep and all the people saying that it's a bad habit for example but if you enjoy it like I've never had an issue doing that it's not I've never had a problem doing that never had a problem co-sleeping it's not a problem to fix to me and I think that you you would feel the same right yeah definitely we've had questions from people about you know when when are you going to sort that bed bed sharing problem out have you and you know conversations will come about the next time they speak and when, when are you going to sort it out it's not a problem for me so why is it a problem for you it doesn't matter yeah yeah exactly and I think I think actually it was Emily again who said who had said there will come a time when they won't sleep there anymore they will not be sleeping in your bed when they're five ten 18 they might be five but you know they won't be doing when they're 18 when they're 30 so it's going to come to an end at some point and actually in the grand scheme of things it's fleeting isn't it yeah and you'll look back in those times and go oh I miss I miss having those cuddles with them in the morning and and waking up next to their little faces exactly exactly and obviously I do have to caveat that that it's not for everyone and that some people want want their kids in a cot straight away and to be honest when Polly does sleep in her cot all night, it is, you know, quite a luxury. And for some people, that's not, they don't ever want to co-sleep either for, you know, anxiety about safety or they just don't want to do it. And that's absolutely fine as well. Yeah, whatever works for me, nobody else needs to worry about it for me. I don't need to worry about what works for somebody else. That's their decision and their choice, isn't it? Do you have a theory as to why bed sharing slash co-sleeping is has got quite a stigma in this country? Like why it's not advocated for, why we don't really hear about it? I think there's two elements to it. I think the first is SIDS and that there was the the real change, wasn't there, in bed sharing well, in bed advice in the nineties. Um yes. So changing from prone sleeping and it massively reduced the, the SIDS rates. And I think, you know, obviously that's amazing and that's great. 
I think bed sharing got lumped in with that and the research didn't differentiate between bed sharing deaths versus well, what were the extra risk factors in that so was it bed sharing with an, a parent that was drunk at the time or on drugs or you know there were there were often when you delve down into that research there are other reasons as to why that happened and obviously those deaths are horrendous and traumatic and 100% you know it's unthinkable but there will have often been other reasons for that. And I think bed sharing got very much lumped in with it. America, I think, in particular, is still very much against it. The UK seems to be moving a little bit more realistically towards it, it happens and, and how can we do it safely. So I think that's the first reason is that it's linked. A lot of people say it's linked to SIDS when actually if you do it safely, it, it doesn't have to be and, it, and it's not. I think the other part of it is this whole attitude that came, was it probably the early 1900s, there thereabouts, with scientists that said children needed to be separate, they needed to reach independence. It's not just about mm. sleep, it was, it's everything, you know, children should be seen and not heard and we, we shouldn't be meeting their needs and, and meeting their demands. It's all of that kind of attitude of children should be independent from us as early as possible. And I think it probably bed sharing it falls under that bracket as well, doesn't it? That it, it doesn't fit with that narrative of, of children being independent from what three months they should be, according to these people, you know, they've, they've had their fourth trimester and that's the end of it. And now they should be independent. That, that sleep campaign well, it was called back to sleep wasn't it where yes. you had yeah. to be yeah put all the babies on their back which obviously I completely agree with but it is a shame that the co-sleeping was probably lumped in on that it's still not 100% there with co-sleeping in this country but do you think it can change I think it can I think these things take very a very long time I think sometimes it's a bit like steering the Titanic, isn't it? That it takes a lot of time, probably generations worth. I don't think it'll happen in our generation, to be honest. I think it's definitely moving that way. And I know I saw Basis talking recently about how in the UK we have a different approach to it now. But I think that may well be the guidance now at that high level. But I don't think it's translating through to the professionals. And for example, I think you've got midwives who accept that, yes, it's it's very common practice and it helps breastfeeding mothers. But then you've got health visitors that are just against it or they're asking to see parents bed spaces because they think that they need to force them out of this habit and and to stop them doing it and until that kind of changes and parents are being educated properly about it I can't see how it's going to change much very quickly and I think a lot of it will come with people like us talking about it and social media has a lot to do with it doesn't it and people finding like-minded people and and having that group where you realize you're not the only one and that will grow with time, but I don't think it's going to be overnight, sadly. I think it's it's got a long way to go before it's it really changes. Yeah, what you just said about socials, that was going to be what I was going to mention, is that for me personally, it's through social media really that I, um, maybe that, that health visitor planted the seed, but it was through social media that I even started really thinking about it. And it's the same with breastfeeding, really. I don't think I'd have got as far as I have with breastfeeding without those amazing accounts that are advocating and giving you the right advice. I think that's a really important distinction as well. It's obviously, <clears throat> there's a lot of rubbish on social mm. as well. So you have to be quite discerning as to what you, what resonates with you and also what you take on board. And obviously you have to do your own research, but I think social media is a massive way of educating people. And I think you're doing uh, an amazing job as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being an amazing guest today. I really appreciate you coming on, especially I know you've got, as you say, a 15 months old and I know the evenings can be quite sacred. I just want to know where 
people can find you on social media? Yeah, so generally it's Instagram. I do have Facebook and TikTok, but I don't really do an awful lot on them. But um, I try to share what I what I put on Instagram. I try to put it on both of those as well. Um, so it's the respectful mum with no no spaces or, or underscores or anything um, on all of those three platforms. Amazing. And you're in the process of writing a children's book as well. Can I hear about that? Yeah, I am. It's really exciting. I'm. I'm I've been kind of working on it in the background for oh, nearly the best part of the last year. I think I started around. March April time last year and it's given me a really nice outlet I think just to focus on something really positive as well when things get tough I've got that to look on and and to put my my mind to very much inspired by all of this it's all about baby sleep and you know being there to help your child sleep at night and and to follow that kind of path that some of us are choosing to go down instead of the sleep training route so that's kind of the general premise of the book nearly nearly done so we're just working on the front cover at the moment but all of the insides finished the illustrations are finished and the uh, the words are all on the pages now which has been wonderful to see the last couple of weeks as that's been coming through so I'm aiming to launch hopefully I think it'll probably be February um I'd like to say January but I think February is probably going to be when when we launch properly you can also sign up for my newsletter via the link in my um my bio on Instagram and that will give you all the updates about when it's coming out and launch updates and things thank you so much for coming on and yeah i wish you a really restful night hopefully nice cuddles with your baby thank you and the same to you (laughs) no more split nights tonight hopefully oh god i hope not thank you for joining me for this episode of you still you can join the community and keep up to date with all new episodes by following at you still podcast on instagram and twitter If you want to get in touch to tell me how I'm doing, suggest new guests, or let me know which topics you'd like me to cover, email youstillpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you.